Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Well, welcome again. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, if you take your outline out of your program, we're going to get to that uh, in a moment as we uh, kick off this series and we look at some of the traditional themes that I think are universal. Whether you're a Christ follower uh, or you say, hey, I never intend to be. These are themes that are universal to each person. This is what we want and I think uh, sort of who we want to be as well. We look at love and hope and uh, especially as we look at peace. This is a time of year that for a lot of people, well let me put it this way, there was a study done of the most stressful things for people and uh, three of the top things were going to a dentist, getting pulled over by a police officer and getting a speeding ticket and uh, Christmas. So think about it. The most stressful people in your life are a cop, a dentist, and the baby Jesus. That's pretty much uh, it. And as we, as we think about that, uh, we know that can be hard to live in peace. Uh, the Girl Scouts, actually, this is pretty interesting. I came across this uh, a couple years ago, that they eliminated the pledge to be cheerful from uh, the promise to be cheerful from their pledge. The headquarters of Girl Scouts put out this statement. It is not realistic in the world we live in today for Girl Scouts to always be cheerful. <laughs> Can you imagine that? They're like, so now you're going to go down to Albertsons, there's going to be some Girl Scout going, buy cookies or else, you know? <laughs> Sounds like the neighborhood I grew up in a little bit. Uh, but, but you think about that, it's hard to have peace. Now, this time of year, if you're buying Christmas presents, we know that can be difficult. In fact, I was reminded of that when I came across these uh, real letters to Santa uh, from kids about what they wanted. Here's one. Dear Santa, I've, I've been trying to be a responsible person. I would hope I would get what I've always wanted. The thing I want the most is a dog, dog, dog. I haven't been taking care of my giga dog, but it is not real. And my real dog would be. Santa, I will even trade my one and only mom for a dog. <laughs> I knew that a dog would be a big responsibility, but I've been bugging my dad since I was three, and I'm tired of it. Love, Megan. I don't know if I want to know Megan 20 years from now. Uh, here's another one. Dear Santa, I do not eat my boogers anymore. <laughs> so now you can bring me some toys, please. I want a cat that plays with you. Thank you, your friend, Rianne. Uh, Rianne, that kind of cat is called a dog. <laughs> That's what that is. And then finally, this one. Dear Santa and helpers, a little more inclusive. I've been very good this year. I'm expecting a little sister. I do not want her. Uh, mommy says uh, she will be fun. I hear girls stink. I will trade you my sister when she comes for a stork or an elf. I want a race car and a garage set for Christmas. There will be sugar cookies and burritos waiting for you. <laughs> Thank you, Santa Craig. He's a great little negotiator, isn't he? Well, 
So, so one of the themes is, as we're, that we're getting into today, and I think it's foundational, is that of peace. And it's not just uh, because we want it or there's some internal longing. It's a promise that God makes that he would bring peace into our world. Now, I don't know about you. If you're going to do an honest evaluation, you might say, hey, God, you're not doing a very good job because it seems like there's a lot of discord. There's wars. There's uh, political turmoil, divisions in our own country. And then we think about what's going on in our lives, in our family. And so it, it begs the question, sort of a courageous question. Did, is God unable or unwilling to keep his promise for peace? Or is the kind of peace that he's talking about of a different order and magnitude and maybe even timing than the peace we would have thought of in our life? Well, we don't need to uh, guess very long because all we have to do is turn to the scripture and we read uh, what Jesus said. Jesus said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus is saying, yes, you'll have peace, but it's going to be a different kind of peace. It's not going to be the kind of peace that's only centered on what's happening around you. See, Jesus was making this promise initially and then to us, to his followers who had lived with him, who'd seen him teach, they'd seen him popular with the thousands of people, but he knew he was going to a cross and that they would be hunted down and that it would seem like everything was a failure because they were expecting God to set up a, an earthly kingdom, but God had way bigger plans. It wasn't just about uh, one nation. It was bigger than that. It was about all people. And so, Have you ever uh, seen someone, and they'll go through something difficult, they'll uh, lose uh, a job, a, a marriage, a child, uh, and you're wondering how... How do they hold up under that? And you see people who seem to not only survive it, but in an odd way, they seem to be doing okay through it. And oftentimes, we'll just write that off to uh, personality or temperament, and there's a bit in that. But I think, especially for those who've known God's peace, there's something else going on. And so, uh, I know that some of you are going to face some challenging situations in the next uh, few days. Any of you going to be with some challenging people this Christmas? Yeah, go ahead and raise your hand, even if they're with you. <laughs> Just don't point. Uh, how, how are you going to show up? How are you going to show up to that? Are you going to show up with anxiety and stress? Are you going to show up with a, a peace that passes all understanding? You know, I mean, I, it seems like me, I, I'm a naturally anxious person, and God always has me uh, preach about what I'm going through because I, I have my own anxiety. I'm hoping next time I'll be preaching on how to look younger and be richer. But right now, it's just anxiety because we all feel an anxiousness of one kind or another. Maybe it's related to the holiday, maybe it's not. Maybe it's an, an excitement and anticipation, but with that, there's this understanding of what, what true contentment and peace could look like. 
Well, here are some aspects of it that, that are both biblical, and I think none of us would argue on these, is uh, what brings peace is a hopeful future. When I believe that tomorrow will be better than today, I have peace. And, and we see Jesus is alluding to that in the verse that I read. When we have reconciled relationships, you know, it's like that old saying, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy. But also, if dad's not happy, if your boss isn't happy, your friend isn't happy, your son or daughter isn't happy, your spouse isn't happy. See, when there's relational discord, there's not peace. Interesting, if, if you study the scriptures, it's pretty fascinating. There are about 300 prophecies that pointed to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. And in fact, some of them are, are really wild because they talk about the place of his birth, something that he'd have no control over. You know, if someone said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and fulfill all these prophecies, you couldn't do it because mo many of them were way out of his control. But there was a sign that was going to be given, and the sign would be uh, in Malachi, in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Bible, it says, God will turn the hearts of parents towards their children and children towards their parents. And I think... I just think that there's some of us and that's exactly what needs to happen. Well, part of peace is a winnable game where we feel like we can succeed at what we're doing just, just in, in life, but in faith and all of that. Have you, well, let me put it this way. Uh, how many of you have ever put together uh, a child's Christmas present that's been somewhat complex? How many of you have ever done that? Okay, now be honest, don't lie. Come on, we're in church. How many of you have ever had spare parts left over? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I just think it's because I'm efficient. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, my wife, who is more, you know, uh, technical background, she looks at me trying to do it, and she says, well, did you read the instruction manual? Like, <laughs> instruction manual? <laughs> I'm a man. I, don't, I just know how to do these things, which she then said evidently not, you know. Uh, when it came to those, those little things, it's not a big deal if I can't put together a toy. But when I'm in a relationship and I can't put that back together, when I'm trying to connect with God and I just can't seem to make that work, if that game is unwinnable, then there's big problems. Uh, in fact, I, I talk to people all the time who... Uh, who, who are not Christ followers. And, you know, I'll just uh, talk to people random, meet people in the community, or be traveling, and evident, or, uh, eventually the question will come, what do you do for a living? And, uh, you know, uh, I always say I'm an assassin. You would think that, but I say I'm a pastor, but you would think I said I was an assassin by the response uh, I get most of the time. Like, oh, okay, bye, see you later. Or if they're a Christian, they'll say that's great. Or oftentimes they'll say the most religious thing they can you know, if they say, hey, I saw a touch with an angel, or, or I, love, I love that, you know, uh, or whatever that's called. Uh, but uh, every once in a while, I'll get this. Yeah, not for me. Not that God thing. And then usually there's a litany that comes with it about how God's unreasonable, uh, the expectations aren't real, uh, doesn't, just seems to be uncaring. And oftentimes, I think there's a legitimate hurt behind it. And, and I, I'm like, hey, I, I wouldn't believe in that God either. See, if it's based on keeping all the rules and doing all those things correctly, we're going to fail at some point. 
In fact, uh, societies that try to keep peace through a bunch of rules, uh, those are called totalitarian societies. Think about communism, which began, really, you, I'm sure it began with some people with a good heart, but it always leads to brutal authoritarianism because you, you can't make everybody behave. And when we think God is just out there like trying to make people behave so people will be good, we miss the point. And the point is, is that God understands us even in our weakness and he brings grace to the equation. And grace makes faith a winnable game. And if you've never, what is grace? It's God's unmerited favor for me. And in that, I can have peace. Part of peace is just simply reliable truth. Uh, the truth that we can uh, believe in. In fact, we see this again and again uh, in the scripture. In fact, that's what we're going to look at primarily today. Uh, I want to look at one more verse before we get to our main passage, which is Matthew chapter 1 in Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It says this, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption into sonship. And so the point I, I, I want to focus in on today, we're going to revisit that in the next couple weeks, is uh, that he was born, born of a woman. And what he's saying is, this is not a God that just appeared in the mist and went away. But the incarnation, Christmas is about this idea that God would, would become flesh. And there would be a reason in that. It would, yes, be to offer redemption and salvation for our sins. But it's also because he knows what it's like to live in a world where peace seems impossible. And so uh, we're going to go uh, for the Christmas story to the very first chapter of the very bo first book of the New Testament. Sounds like a good place to start, right? Well, it, this doesn't start with angels or mangers or anything like that. It starts with a genealogy. Now, genealogies have gotten really big these days uh, where people go on Ancestry.com or MyHeritage. There's about, uh, about 10 different sites, at least about four or five major ones, that'll help you trace your uh, ancestors, their history, your DNA. And I think they've become so popular because people get this idea of if I can understand my past, then maybe I'll understand more sort of why I am the way I am and what my future might look like. Now, I'm not uh, really big into this. Uh, in fact, when my uh, oldest daughter, she came home in elementary school, she came home and said, hey, we have to do a family tree. Uh, will you help me? And I was frightened to death. And you're saying, what's frightening about that? Well, I've shared before, my mom was married eight times, her mom three times, my dad four times. There were, I, I said, honey, we don't have a tree, we have like a bush. <laughs> and uh, so there's branches that no one knows about, some that people try to hide uh, back there. And, uh, you know, it's great because some of you have rich heritages. You know, you have, uh, you know, I hear this. My great-grandfather was a pastor, and he built this church with his own hands. And, you know, in my family, not a lot of Nobel Prize winners. A few people made it on America's Most Wanted, so I, we do have some fame. Uh, and and to, be, to be frank with you, uh, this is, and I feel bad about it now that I'm older. 
I used to feel a level of shame uh, just because I didn't have a story like the stories I heard about. I didn't have the story of the grandma who prayed for me every... None of my grandparents were even... They, they were not believers in Jesus. They weren't even religious at all. No one. And so I felt a little bit less than. And, and someone confronted me with it. And they said, Ben, this is actually part of God's story in your life. And so when you recognize that, things will change for you. And, and the, the crazy thing is, is I look at the genealogy of Jesus... It looks a lot more like my family than some of the families that I've heard about. And so what I want to do is we're going to go through, and I know some of you are like, are you serious? Are you going to preach through a genealogy? That is like reading the phone book. And if you're under 35, a phone book, let me tell you what that is. Uh, it's, it's a way we used to kill trees in the past. So uh, yes, we're going to go through a genealogy, and uh, we'll start with some myths, and I want to debunk them. The first one is this, is Christmas is a great story. And you'll say, hey, Ben, it is a great story. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, the story of Jesus, it doesn't begin once upon a time in a land far, far away. It starts with this. It starts with literally a genealogy, a historical account. It says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. It's putting Jesus in history, anchoring him to two people who are very well known, I mean, uh, and the cool thing, you can't even deny that. There were some people who even denied there was a King David, like the most radical skeptics. Until in Israel, archaeology discovered the, uh, the inscriptions to David, King of Israel. Uh, we're taking about 40 people over to Israel, and you literally, these are places you can visit today. Archaeological digs have, have, have centered this in history. Non-Christian historians like Josephus wrote about Jesus, even his resurrection as historical fact. And so this is, this is like solid, hardcore history. There's no historian, I mean, on the earth who would deny that there was a man named Jesus who lived and, and, and impacted the whole world. Now, the details of his life they might disagree on, but no serious historian could ever challenge that. And why is that important? Because I need to know that I'm not, it's just not wishful thinking. I need to know it's not, no, oh, you know, it's like, you remember, uh, there's uh, the little engine that could. Any of you remember that one? Yeah. If you do, you're old too. Just welcome. Uh, the, uh, uh, you know, I think I can, I think I can. Positive thinking. I am all for positive thinking. By the way, I don't, I don't like hanging around, uh, you know, people who are downers all the time. But positive thinking only goes so far. And sometimes it really doesn't go very far at all. We need to know that there's a basis for our faith. That, that peace happened because of an event in human history. There's truth. And some of us hear truth and we're like, oh, I hear truth and people use that like a billy club. Have you ever had someone, you always know you're in trouble when someone says, well, I just need to tell you the truth. You know nothing good is coming after that, right? And it's like a club over your head. Here's what Jesus said. Uh, this is in the Bible. It's not in your outline, but it is in the Bible. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That freedom that you thought you would have without God's truth will always be elusive. You'll never achieve it in your entire life. But when you know God's truth, 
that will set you free. And I think some of us have just been struggling too long. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're dumb. There's nothing wrong with you. But it's been needless. And God doesn't want you to live that way anymore. Well, let's go through some of the other myths. Uh, this is one. Uh, well, my family is just too weird. I can't, I can't have peace because of the family I come from. I talked about that. Uh, we think because of uh, the baggage in our background, our crazy relatives. Well, check this out. I want you to check this out in the Bible. This is a story in the Bible. You're going to learn a lot of Bible today. Uh, here's part of the genealogy, and it goes, Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, stop. Okay, who are these people? Uh, well, uh, Tamar was married to one of Judah's sons. His name was Ur, not a great name for your kid, but uh, if you're looking for Bible names, I wouldn't start with Ur, and, but his name was Ur, and uh, he, he died, and as, as tradition would hold, she needed to marry the next son. That was what would happen, and so she married the next son, Onan. He died. Judah's thinking, uh, hey, this girl's bad luck. She's not marrying any more of my sons, and so he takes care of her financially, but uh, doesn't give her a husband. And, and in that culture, it's pretty significant for women had very few options. In fact, really, uh, Christianity changed a lot of the view of women around the world. But before Christ, women didn't have a lot of options. And so if you weren't married or didn't have a child, it would, uh, it would just be difficult. You would be viewed uh, in a different way. I know it's hard today, but it was even harder then. And so, uh, Judah, he goes on a trip to the ancient world's version of Vegas. He is going to party, and as he's going there, he hooks up with some gal, and, and it, they, the gals would wear veils, the women would, so he didn't know who he was hooking up with. He didn't want to know who he was hooking up with. And then he goes back home, and he's like, okay, you know, I got that out of my system. He goes back home, and then he finds out at some point his daughter-in-law, Tamar, is pregnant. And he's like, she's an awful sinner. And so he says, let's go have her stoned to death. Well, Tamar, one of the things she did is she knew that Judah was sort of, you know, not a great guy. And so while they were, uh, you know, doing their thing together, she stole some of his stuff. She took some of his stuff. And then as she's about being ready to be stoned to death. She goes, you recognize these, Judah, big boy? <laughs> and he goes, whoa, hey, let's try a different plan. And I say that, now how weird do you think your family is now? I mean, this is fully like, you know, Jerry Springer worthy. Uh, and it's through that lineage. Why would that be included? Do you know that in, in, in historical genealogies, women were never, ever included? So women are included, and it seems like the ones so far that are being included aren't even that great, not to mention the men. Is there a point being made? Well, I think it's part of it is to debunk this myth is that real faith is just for religious people. Now, uh, for me, when, when I became a Christ follower, uh, that was one of the challenges I had is, you know, just coming, being a first generation, deciding to follow Jesus and didn't have that spiritual pedigree. And then I look at some of these stories and then I get hope. It, we read this, it says, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Now, these two ladies we're going to read about were definitely not Christ followers. Rahab actually not only was not a Christ follower, she was a prostitute for a living. Uh, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. 
And Ruth was from uh, a nation called Moab. And Moab were like, these were like really bad people. These people would uh, attack people for no reason. They were ungodly. They were mean and vicious. They were Raiders fans. They were like, you know, just, just think of the most unredeemable people. Uh, you know, you can, if you're a Raiders fan, you can be redeemed. Just repent. And uh, so, but, but these people were horrible. And God said never to associate with someone from Moab. But in Jesus' family line is not only a prostitute, someone who slept with her father-in-law, and now we have this pagan woman. And what, So what, what in the world's going on? I think there's a point being made is that God will even break his own rules to reach you. That God will, you say, well, I'm beyond hope because of, really? Have you read the Bible lately? And if you, we're halfway through Jesus' line, and it's not looking good so far. And there's a point being made in this. See, here's what will often happen, is we'll say, okay, that's, that's good, good history. I believe that. We believe it for other people. But we believe this myth, myth too, is that peace is impossible for my past. There, there might be past uh, peace for someone else, but not for me because of my failures. You know, we think about, okay, we're fine with our little failures, right? Uh, is, uh, yeah, I yelled at my spouse. I, uh, you know, got a speeding ticket. I told a, a white lie. And th those are the kind of failures we're uh, willing to admit. There's, you know, are we, think of, we always like to think of someone who failed worse than we did. If, you, if that's you, you're gonna like these. These are a few I came across. In uh, 2006, NASA took the original moon landing videotape and someone taped over it. How would you like that one? And of course, you've, we all know this one. 1962, Decca Records turned down a musical group called The Beatles because they didn't think they would have any commercial success. And in the 1990s, 12 book publishers turned down a children's book series because they didn't think it would be profitable. It was called Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling is the only author alive today who's made over a billion dollars on her books. And we think about that and we're like, oh, that would be really bad. But then there's the stuff we don't talk about. The stuff that, you know, I think a lot of, and I, and I get why you do this, because I do this too. But have you ever had a day that's not a bad day, but your worst day? In your worst day, in your worst moment, and you know what where hope is? I mean, is I just hope no one finds out. Because it's, it's so shameful. And maybe it was someone in your family. Maybe it's you. And, and God wants to say, on your worst day, I can bring you peace. And there's an example given in the Bible. I'm going to spend a little more time here on this one and give you some background because I think it's important. Uh, David, uh, King David, you probably heard of him even if you're not a church person, second king of Israel, uh, a hero uh, really of the nation of Israel. He was also a guy who had, he was a great guy called a man after God's own heart. He also had a pretty bad dark side. He had continual sexual sin and struggle. In fact, we read one about a lady named Bathsheba he wasn't married to, had an illicit relationship. Uh, she got pregnant. He tried to cover it up by having her husband killed. 
uh, child died, uh, lost respect of his whole family. People turned against him. Uh, his son turned against him. His son was killed, another son. And so how do you rebuild from that kind of day? Here's what, what we read in the Scripture, and this is, I think, pertinent to us. It says, Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named uh, him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And so he gives, they have, he has another son. I mean, you lose one child, another child doesn't make up for that. I mean, there's a, a comfort in that. But, but what's, what's the deal that's going on there? I think we start to see God's plan to bring peace in any situation. In fact, some of us, uh, we, we just hold on to the past, and, and I think we need to hear these words from Isaiah. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Why did Jesus come? In fact, the name Jesus means the Lord saves. The past cannot be changed. And let's be honest about that. But the meaning of that past can be changed. You say, well, I messed up and and I feel horrible about that. Well, welcome to the club. But it says in the scripture, worldly sorrow, that that sorrow without God, that leads to death. It's not, not a happy picture. But godly sorrow, where we bring it to God, that, that actually brings life again. It says in... Uh, Matthew 1, 6, and we're getting back into the story here. And it says, And Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, who had, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Isn't that crazy? It doesn't hide the fact of what happened. It points it out, not as a slight to Bathsheba, by the way, more as a slight to David. And it's saying, okay, this is the lineage of the, of the Holy One that would be to come. This is his earthly Lineage, And then we see God bringing the Savior through that. See, oftentimes, here's what we'll do. Is we, we, grade, uh, we grade everything on a curve, right? And so, so sin, whatever your sin is, I don't care what, uh, you know, uh, your, your sin is. We always find someone who's worth. You might be, well, you know, uh, I didn't... I robbed a bank, but I'm not a murderer, or I lied, but I didn't rob a bank, or I murdered someone, but I'm not a serial killer. You know, that's how we sort of go through it. Uh, because we find, here's the thing, if God grades on a curve, how do you know for a fact how well you're doing? Do you really know? Here's one thing I know is you can't have peace. Peace comes when I know where I stand with God. See, God doesn't forgive uh, liars or uh, drug addicts or uh, prideful people or violent people. You know who God forgives? God forgi He doesn't forgive those things. He forgives people who come to him, say, God, will you restore me? Will you bring me to you? And anyone who does that 
You think your past is such a big deal? This is why this is the first chapter in the Bible. So you wouldn't believe that lie. There's an enemy of our souls who would tell you that lie that you know what? It's too far gone. But that's not God's, what God has to say about it. See, here's a fifth myth, and this is one that is not as intuitive to understand as a myth, is we believe Christmas is what you make of it. And you're saying, hey, what's wrong with that? Isn't, you know, we you know, should do our best, Christmas what I make of it. Christmas is what God made of it. Christmas is a decision where God became flesh to come into the world that our reality would change. We read this. Uh, Jacob was the father of uh, Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. God took the biggest mess you could ever imagine, a questionable past, a backwater town, an unwed mother, a bad background, and out of that came the Savior of the world. My final thought is this, is God's peace is God's gift to receive. That peace, there's an offer on the table, an offer that we're going to take or not take. And so when you have the opportunity, am I going to step into a different kind of peace? Because remember, Jesus said it's going to look different than everything else. And it's ours to receive and also ours to give. I know as the Christmas season, you're going to be around some people who might be a little bit challenging. Uh, and in that, will you show up the way that God showed up on your behalf? That he didn't look at the past, but he looked at what he wanted to do in the future? That's not denying a hurt, denying a wrong, denying a sin. It's just saying, I believe that God is bigger than all of those things. Here's what I've noticed. I've been a pastor now for uh, 25 years. I started pastoring at age six. I know it's remarkable. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, and in those 25 years, I've literally talked to at least hundreds and hundreds of people in conflict situations. And, and here's something that I've just noticed. And what I've noticed is people can be really mad when they're hurt, uh, obviously. And uh, we all can be the same. The people that seem to me the most intransient, which uh, the people who will seem to be the angriest are often the people who have hurt someone else. And see, it's in that because we need to justify why they deserved that. And in that, it seems like there's a wall of hostility. You know, the same thing can happen with God. It, it, it says that there's a wall of hostility but here's the truth. If there's a wall between you and God, you're keeping up the wall because Jesus came to knock through that wall of hostility. And maybe there's a hurt in the past or something that's going on right now and, and, and God wants to reach you. God wants you to enter in to his peace. Maybe you're like David. You know the story about David? We gotta remember when he got into trouble it was after God worked miracles in his life after he was called a man after God's own heart after all God had given him everything and David became despondent until he realized I may have changed but my hope hasn't changed 
And he made the most incredible turnaround and said, God, I'm going to believe that your grace still works for me. And that's my prayer for you and for me that would bring peace this season. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every person here. God, I thank you that you offer us peace. God, I would ask that even in this moment that our hearts would be open to you. God, that we would uh, be willing that we on the receiving end of that. Father, I pray uh, for my friends right now who are just going through a struggle. And God, it, it, everything on the outside just looks like there's not a lot of hope in it. And God, I pray that, that you would intervene on behalf of my friends. God, that you would bring your peace, the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that's different from everything else we've ever thought, but it can only be accomplished by your supernatural work. And God, we invite your Holy Spirit into this time and into this place. We invite you, just as you raised Jesus from the dead and you promised that that same power lives in us. And so God, I would pray that that power would be present, that power would be pervasive in each of our lives as we open up to you. And God, I pray for my friends who uh, just need to make peace with you for the first time or the first time in a long time. And if that's you, I encourage you to, to, to talk to God, to, uh, to, to say something to him. It just silently, uh, I'm not going to have you, you know, raise your hand or come forward or pray out loud, but you just say something like this to God. You say, God, I thank you that you took the initiative, God, that you gave me this example. And God, I just don't want to leave your love on the table for me. I don't want to leave your peace on the table. And God, so I understand in this moment is my time to respond. And so Jesus, I invite you into my heart and my life. Or God, I, I, I come back to you. And Lord, I ask that that you will not only show me the way, but God, that you will make a way. So Father, I, I, I accept you. And the Bible says when we say yes to Jesus, when we invite him into our hearts and lives, that our reality is different, that our lives are changed. And it's really about what God has done, but you have now received. Bible says that uh, God will never leave us or give up on us. You might be here and you say, hey, I, I've sort of given up on me. The good news is God hasn't and won't. He wants to meet you right now in this place. Scripture says also as we uh, make this decision to follow Jesus that we're to make this known. And so I encourage you maybe uh, as you leave this place today or maybe connect with us and let us know so we can help you on your journey of faith. God, we look forward to this season. Yes, because in many ways we're blessed. But God, we just never want to forget the one who's given that to us. So we come to you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com 
or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.